As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Warnocks are whinging, more Royals revelations at the Madstad, Jimmy's special brewers leave posh reaching for the resolve, and Oldham are looking for yet another new manager. Not Kuehl. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Powell. Hey gang, hope you're well. Matt Davis-Adams here for our weekly catch-up on all slash some things related to the English Football League. Uh, I'm joined by a man just itching to throw some forest-related shade my way, having been part of the congregation at the Vicarage on Saturday. It's Sam Parkin. Morning, Andre Salenzi. How you doing? Yeah, good. Really, really, yeah. I mean, he'd get a game at the moment. Um, <laughs> also with us, Adrian Clark. He's jumped off the Stevenage hype train to join us for a bit. Choo-choo, Clarky. I have, yeah. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, and completing our lineup this week is a big welcome back to the polyglot of podcasting from BBC London and more is Flo Lloyd Hughes. Hello. And as it's International Women's Day, I think, you know, we need some kind of anthem, some kind of round of applause, sound effects. <laughs> Producer Abby or maybe just guarantee my win for performance of the week. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good shout. Um, I think you've got a chance with performance of the week as well. We'll get to that shortly. But this weekend marked a year since we last saw full stadiums at EFL grounds. Anybody remember the last game they were at before all this started? Uh, well, having just discussed it off air with you, Matt, I'm going to uh, change my mind. It was the Liverpool-Chelsea FA Cup game at Stamford Bridge remembered for Billy Gilmore I think playing uh, particularly well and then I was actually down to do I think Brentford Fulham and that was the Friday when the news came out about Mikel Arteta and then it all got um, ended on that on that day which was uh, a shame. Uh, Flo how about you? Uh, my last one was AFC Wimbledon Bolton on the 7th of March and went out with a bang, nil-nil draw, really bad game. But it was interesting <laughs> because when I got to the ground, overheard loads of people talking about nervousness about whether to go or not or, you know, their other halves didn't want to turn up or lots of this sort of chatter. And some people also saying, you know, oh, yeah, nothing worries me, it's going to be fine. And I think I had some of that naivety as well. And then here we are. A year later, um, yeah, crazy times. 
Clark, is there anything you're going to miss about pandemic football? I mean, the answer is no, really. Isn't it? <laughs> Do you not want to know which game that was my last one? It was. Uh, it was Arsenal. I mean, I feel, I feel like we've kind of exhausted that, and it's not produced much of note. So, I mean, if you, if you can improve on what we've had, then okay, go for not it. Not really. Although, what I will say is, my last EFL game um, with a crowd was was Coventry Sunderland, and it felt like there was no crowd because I was in a stand. It was absolutely empty. So slightly relevant content, maybe. But but in terms of missing <laughs> stuff, absolutely nothing about the the in game experience. But I will miss. And obviously, I've not been to many games uh, lockdown. But when when I went to Norwich the other day, it was lovely to just get in my car and just go without having to queue for about forty five minutes to get out of the car park. So I won't miss that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, parking was the big thing that, that that we all came up with, I think. And, and that tells you all you need to know about how rubbish pandemic football is, if the parking is the best thing. Anyway, time for this. Performance of the weekend. Yes, it's our performance of the week. Everybody gets 15 seconds to tell us why the team they picked did the best performance in the EFL this past weekend. Uh, Flo, you can go first. You've picked Blackburn Rovers. Your 15 seconds start now. One point in seven games meant six changes from Mowbray. He was feeling the heat and Millwall was just the sort of side that could have extended that run to eight. Dak attack was back in the side and provided the goods. Yes, it was a bit jammy and yeah, it was pretty ugly on a bad pitch, but it stopped the rot. <laughs> nice. I like the way you slowed down there just to make sure that you were as close. I know, to the, I was um, still not about bang on and I've rehearsed <laughs> that as well. Um, Clarky, you, you've gone for Yamo's mob, Crawley Town. Your 15 seconds begin now. Yeah, you've got to play very well to beat Tranmere at the moment. And that's what Crawley did by raising their game at Prenton Park. The winning goal was a slick Premier League class move, ending with a cheeky Nichols back flick. And it was the least they deserve. You know, Yamo's men are back in business. Again, a little short. Is that going to continue as Sam Parkin discusses Wigan Athletic? 15 seconds start now. Yeah, much needed win for the Latics, recording their first home victory since December the 12th. It was a first clean sheet in seven as well. An unlikely hero getting the opener. Defender George Johnson with his maiden senior goal. But again, Callum Lang was the top man. Five in seven for him now. Lang on fire. Too long. It's not about the time, is it? It's about the content. <laughs> What's wrong yeah. with you? Both of it, Wiffy. Um, I've gone for Northampton Town. My 15 seconds start now. Uh, many would say I've made a career out of talking cobblers, so this will be a breeze. Back-to-back wins for Town for the first time this season as they pulled apart Pompey, a first four-goal haul of the campaign to 14 shots on goal with just 30% possession. No wonder John Brady's staying for the season. <laughs> yeah, that was it, wasn't it? Perfection. Um, head to At The Totally Show to cast your vote. Next, we championship. Pep, what do you think of the risks of players taking part in fantasy football? I, uh, I, I think that uh, fantasy football? What is this uh, fantasy football? And Man City win the treble again with an incredible goal for Erling Haaland, who's just signed a 10-year contract with Man City. He said what sealed it was the long, flowing locks of manager Pep Guardiola. Look at him there on the sidelines, his hair cascading down over his shoulders. Uh, Next question. That's one sort of fantasy football, Pep. Paddy Power. 18 plus big gamble. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. 
Championship headlines, the Canaries of Norwich continue to soar with Pukki up to 20 goals, whilst Watford are up to second after their win against Shotshire Forest. Uh, this will shock you. Neil Warnock felt the referee officiating a game his team lost could have done better. He's in a bad position. He's guessing like he did guess for the penalty or somebody else told him. I think the fourth official give it. Something like that. Because he's, he's the nearest man to the penalty in the 90-whatever-it-is minute. And if you're not sure, you don't give it. Rotherham's games against Brentford and Luton are postponed after the Millers recorded their second COVID outbreak of the season. Coventry are close to finalising a return to the Rico for next season. And Derby have stopped taking the knee before games. They say the message has become diluted. Now let's start with a game that left Neil Warnock fuming. Controversy all over the gap as Swansea snatched their second late penalty winner in as many games to best Borough. Uh, firstly, Adrian, did Swansea deserve the W here? Well, they were lucky. I, th- I think that match is clear to see. I-, I felt that I felt it was a pretty even game. Middlesbrough definitely matched them for for long periods. They they created some decent chances, but yeah, I, I completely agreed with Neil Warnock's assessment afterwards. Even though his rant was a was a little bit rambling and 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 quite quite naughty at times, he definitely had a point. I mean, clearly that the, the Boller goal should have stood. It was, um, you know, it, it was um, not a foul in the build-up, and and the winning penalty. I mean, this is what this is what really frustrates me about referees now. I mean, you've got to understand the game. Bidwell has knocked the ball out for a goal kick. There's no way he's getting anywhere near having a shot. He has lost control of the ball. He's basically knocked it out. And 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 you know for, for for that reason it's you know it's not it's not a penalty joke. I completely agree with everything Adrian said, but I'm giving Galvin Ward one benefit of the doubt on the second decision, so the penalty one, because I do think that George Savile is very risky diving in that late in the game with his back to the referee, like lunging in in that moment, which he timed perfectly. That's great defending in terms of the context but at the same time it's a risky move to make so late on and I'm not saying he shouldn't try but I just do think to dive in with your back to the referee so he's not got the best view of that I don't think it was a penalty but that's the only sort of benefit of the doubt that I could give Gavin Morve is is a is a lunge that late on um Abby's pointing out that Swansea went 25 games without a pen and now they've had Three in a row. Sam, I enjoyed the little dig back from from Steve Cooper post-match, talking about not wanting his players to make tackles like that in the first place. Nice to see some shade thrown Collins' way. Uh, To be honest, that really annoyed me. Just why can't managers just say, we got a little bit lucky today? What what are the supporters going to think? Oh, he's not a good manager or, you know, going to go down in their estimation. Just let's be honest. They got fortunate, didn't they? A couple of decisions that guys have just spoken about. The first one's a joke, absolute joke. And I kind of agree with with Flo on the second one that it's one of those decisions we could be watching replays till next week and it's probably not that conclusive. Was there a touch on the ball? Is there a little kick on the shin? Who gets the ball? Who knows? But quite frankly, just be honest and say today, a point was probably the best we deserved out of that game when we've got a bit lucky and it does even itself out and uh, and what have you and and Neil Warnock obviously has had decisions go his way and the way that him and his coaching staff are in the technical area like I think sometimes you've just got to 
you've got to be a bit more balanced um, when decisions go against you because, you know, loads of things have gone from Neil Warnock, I'm sure, throughout his career. What, what I will say is that Cooper, I think, got it right a little bit of his team selection. We, we spoke, I think it was on last week's show, we saying he needed to maybe give one or two players a breather just to shake up the, the formula. And, and obviously he left um, Jamal Lowe on the bench, Bidwell as well. And 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 yeah, just, just doing something like that, just taking out two regulars, I think might have might might have might have been helpful. It, it didn't really work with Smith and Hurahan in in behind IU, but but yeah, they, they got the result in the end. And what a week for Swansea um to, to pick up six points when you know they could easily have had two or less. After having a go at it, Neil, I'll tell you what, next season, Middlesbrough, great shout, I reckon. I like the look of the squad already that he's he's putting together. I think there'll be a force next year now that he's staying. Yes, he is staying, isn't he? Um, Steve Gibson has, has convinced him to do so. Uh, let's move on to Bristol City, nil, Queen's Park Rangers 2. Nigel Pearson had a lovely old start to life as Bristle boss, but there were no home comforts for the man who feels the need to sign off tweets with an abbreviated version of his name on Saturday as Nigel and the gang went down 2-0 to QPR at Ashton Gate, a record fifth straight home defeat for Bristle. Flo, you were on this for, for BBC London, but in this new pandemic-related BBC way of covering away games. Tell us about it, how it works, what it was like. Yeah, um, at the moment there's a, I guess you could call it a ban, but that that makes it sound, you know, a bit, I don't know, over the top. But yeah, local radio aren't allowed to travel to cover away games. So it's frustrating, obviously, for a lot of the the teams that that's their main source of coverage because they're not going to get a lot of love on Five Live or Final Score or Soccer Saturday, whatever it may be. But yeah, unfortunately, that's the case because the pandemic should be ending quite soon. And you know, to be honest, all the local radio stations have got on with it and found a way around it. So for BBC London, we're tuning into iFollow or whatever the stream might be and doing updates that way. So I've done that for a couple of games now uh, for the London teams and I was doing that for for QPR Bristol on Saturday. And on the pitch, it went pretty well for for yours and Sam's boys. Yeah, it was really good to be honest. I think obviously QPR were lucky and probably flattered a little bit by how poor Bristol City were. I think it was one of QPR's best performance of the season, but I don't know how much you can look at that just being them and the lack of what Bristol City brought to the brought to the table that day. But at the same time, really confident, never looked troubled, very classy performance. And the most important thing was that they took their chances. The reason Swansea lost to Bristol City is because they missed so many good chances. So the key for QPR on the weekend was as soon as you get something, you've got to score it. And they did that. I mean, Ilias Chair, five foot two, he's shorter than me, with a header. Really good ball in from Todd Kane, who's had a tough season, hasn't had a lot of love. That's his third assist as well. He's got much better as the season's gone on. Um, and Rob Dickey, who's proved himself to be one of the best defenders in the EFL and probably will be playing in the Premier League very soon. It's just a very good performance. I would have liked to see them score a couple more goals. They haven't scored more than three this season. And that was the kind of game where they could have pushed on and scored four and it would have been such a big boost. But having not beaten Bristol City at Ashton Gate since 2002, that is a good one to kind of break a, a bit of a bad history record. Sam, you'd say they're, they're safe now, I guess. 43 points from, from 33 games. Mark Warburton looking toward next season in the same way as Neil Warnock at this point? Yeah, quite possibly. On Saturday, with the squad he's got, I really like the look of that team. Obviously, he needs 
um, some new blood in, in the summer in, in a lot of areas. But I think with what he's got at the moment, having Device in there for his debut in place of Cameron, Field in for Ball and Willock in for one of the misfiring frontmen, Dykes or Macaulay Bond, I, I think it made complete sense. And I think it got a really good performance. Um, I think... That front area is the area where there's it's a bit problematic. And like Swansea, he played two number 10s in Willock and Elias Chair, which I thought was a really interesting way to go about things. And obviously, especially in that first half, they were scintillating. Bristol City just couldn't live with them. So food for thought for Mark Warburton moving forward. And I would suggest that front area is somewhere he needs to improve. Definitely needs more pace in the side. It's... It's alarming when I see QPR, there is no one that can really run in that team. Um, so the the wing backs, if that's a way he's going to go, probably need strengthened. And with Dickey and now potentially a device coming in, maybe one more centre-half and we could be talking about QPR having a playoff challenge. As for Bristol City, Clarky, new manager bounce never lasts forever. It hasn't lasted that long in this case and, and maybe a good opportunity for Nigel Pearson to, to learn a bit more about where his squad are actually at and what, and what he needs to do in terms of recruitment in the summer. Yeah, he described um, Bristol City as being too passive, the players that, he, that he's got. And it's definitely something we've talked about throughout the season, a, a lack of aggression, a lack of real strength uh, without the ball. And uh, yeah, they're just not hard enough to play against or to to score against. You, you've got to look at... I always think set piece goals conceded is a, is a good gauge of of how sort of resilient a team is because you're all in the right positions. It's like, do I want to defend? You know, how how much do I want to get my head on this ball and and be strong? And and they rank bottom in terms of set piece goals conceded. They're just a little bit flimsy and 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 maybe too nice. So Nigel Pearson, if he sticks around, will. We'll definitely be looking to bring in some some tougher players, some more more resilient uh, defenders. I think moving forwards, it was bad luck in this game as well. They lost obviously Naj and, and Vine, are two of his three midfielders, to head injuries. So that's never going to be helpful. But but yeah, in general, they just need to toughen up a bit, Bristol. It was even more difficult as well in the second half because of the situation with the subs. They made three first sub substitutes at three different points. And the five sub subs rule, even though you can make su- five subs, it can still only happen at three points in the game, excluding half time. So once the second half restarted, they couldn't make any more changes. And then they were kind of stuck, really. It would have to be a complete refresh while the remaining two at half time or nothing. So then it felt like, well, there was definitely no way out. Good stuff. Um, anyone like to have another go at the question I asked last week about whether Darren Moore done the right thing swapping Doncaster for Sheffield Wednesday? 3-0 gubbing at Reading leaves the Owls seven points from safety, albeit with a game in hand on Birmingham, who are just above the dotted line. We'll start with the victors, though. Three wins on the spin for Reading. Clean sheets in all of those. Looks like that wobble is is firmly behind them, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not been as free scoring um, in the last couple of weeks, obviously, I think just two in the last four, actually. So two one nils preceded this. So a, a timely um, result, I think, with Cardiff and, and Barnsley breathing down their necks. They're obviously in, in, in amazing form. Different system, um, a diamond midfield, McIntyre, ex- exceptional. And obviously a front two um, with um, a lot of injuries to, to, to forward players, especially. So a really good result, but... You know, helped out enormously by an abject Sheffield Wednesday. You know, even down to ten, you expect them to make a better fist of it, and they've got 
huge problems. I, you know, the one the one thing looking at it, looking at the setup right now, just with Barry Bannon playing kind of a bit forward, uh, further forward off a, a front man, it just screams to me to get Izzy Brown in that side and get Barry Bannon maybe playing a bit deeper where he can still get on the ball and dictate things. He does all his best work miles away from the goal, Barry Bannon. So maybe that's um, something that might happen in the next few weeks because Izzy Brown was sensational in the um, in the number 10 position for Luton. So Wednesday had Julian Borner rightly sent off for, for pulling down Pushcast. Not the only thing he pulled as he, as he ripped apart his shirt. Abby says, <laughs> have Sam or Adrian ever done that? Adrian, I'm going to go ahead and guess that no, you never ripped an, an opponent's shirt. I mean, Matt, I could have done it. Who says, you know, five aside gets pretty hectic these days? Shot, sorry, I should have caveated that with in a game of professional football. Yeah, no, I've never done that. I did... I, I did um... <laughs> I don't know how it happened. I don't know. I was once in a nightclub where where one of my friends had his shirt had a shirt that was that was ripped um, in that kind of styly. I can't remember how it happened. He must have had a fight or something, but I completely forgot it. But what I haven't forgotten is the DJ on the dance floor saying, "Whoa, we've got the Incredible Hulk in the house tonight." Blah blah blah. <laughs> it just made me just made me laugh. It, it stuck with him. He's he's always known as the Hulk now, but. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it, it was. Look, I've got no sympathy with him. I w- I think he he could be in for for a fine from the club. There, that's that's an irresponsible challenge. Never going to win the ball. You can't tackle from behind anyway now, and and he's just got to stand off and and do the right thing. He, he he crippled his team there. That was that was that was very bad defending. That answer did not go the way that I expected it to. Flow Wednesday going down, aren't they? Six defeats on the bounce. They've got Norwich, Huddersfield and Barnsley next. Can you see any way that that, that they can save themselves? It's not looking good and Darren Moore is running out of time quite quickly. I I understand why he took the job because it is a big club, but after what was he after what he was on on the cards to do with, with Doncaster Rovers, it does seem like a bit of a mistake and I'm worried about what is awaiting them as well once they inevitably do go down. And on the weekend, I ha- I know a lot of Wednesday fans and live with a Wednesday fan and the podcast, the Wednesday week on Saturday, we're just sharing YouTube videos about how to cap a chimney and how to install your toilet properly um, because they said that was more entertaining than the game. So it's really not looking good. And I, yeah, I just think there's only room scenario and it, it is them going down. Um, so they are looking down Barnsley though looking up all they do is win 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 no matter what uh, that's DJ Khaled apparently dreadful racket uh, we got to speak about Barnsley though this this seven wins on the spin is incredibly <laughs> impressive Sam you bigged up Daryl DK before uh, how good is he he's had a brilliant start yeah perfect for the way that they play um, I didn't think he had this in his armory. What a goal. Incredible. Only place it could have gone. Absolute rocket. Um, wasn't a very good game by all accounts. Um, so Barnsley winning ugly should be ominous for everyone else as well. I had a little look at the um, the statistics from this game because of Barnsley are quite direct. Obviously, they play in the final third when they win the ball back high and play some nice, intricate little stuff. But the goalkeeper booms it. The centre-halves don't take any chances. Barnsley, 95 long balls in this game. Birmingham, 92. It was by far and away the most 
if you combine them in comparison to any other game in the championship, which I thought was quite interesting and gives you some insight into how Barnsley are going about this. I think Mill with, with 92 was the, uh, the highest other team in the championship. So it, it was a bit, bit of a, a game which uh, produced a lot of head tennis, but Barnsley with a, a brilliant winning moment. And again, I'm like a broken record, but the geezer just makes early substitutions. Another two at half time, all five used. And he's got a squad that are, are, are willing, all of them to a man, to give absolutely everything in the intensive way that they play. Flo, you can make a case that, that Barnsley's recruitment has been better than anybody else's in the division this season. I'm talking managers and players. It's kind of gone under the radar, but there's been so many hits and, and hardly any misses. Yeah, no, I would say definitely best one of the best recruitments of the season. And I think where they are succeeding, where so many are failing, is they've really built an identity and a culture that everyone's bought into. There is a there's a strategy, there's a plan, and it's quite obvious and there's longevity to it as well. There's succession to it. And very few clubs are doing that. I think this is where QPR are kind of in limbo a little bit, is work out who you are and what you want to be and where you want to go. And then you can get the piece of the puzzle to fall into place. So many clubs in the bottom half of the table are just treading water. And then the rest of the table are trying to get to somewhere that they're probably not ready for yet or don't even know if they really want to be uh, financially or just in terms of ability. So I think that's why Barnsley have been patient and over the last four years have been building something to get to this point, have been so smart with their recruitment on the pitch and off the pitch that it would be great to see them go into the playoffs this season. Is it maybe a year too soon to be going up Possibly, maybe next season, I agree with Sam that I think they're going to be pushing for automatic promotion. So maybe it's better that they kind of wait a year and be ready to seriously go up and challenge in the Premier League. Adrian, Birmingham, three wins in 18. Their next run of fixtures, Bristol City, Reading, Watford, Swansea, Brentford. Good luck with that. Yeah, well, I'd be more worried about their form um, or this performance. Yeah, as Sam's rightly pointed out, it was sort of an ugly game. And it can it can be like that, can't it? And and I, I didn't. I, I just felt that Karanka's team selection was was a little bit off. I think they've played been playing for the back four. They'd had the wingers Sanchez and Bella in the team, Halilovic as well, and and there were signs that they were doing all right. But, you know, they put up some some better performances. They even won some games. But but yeah, he, he picked a team that had zero. Creativity. He picked Jukovic alongside Hogan, but but no no creative players at all, just none. So basically, there were two golf goal threats on the pitch, um, and, and no one really to supply the bullets. And it's little wonder <laughs> that they had no shots on target. And they caused the threat of set plays, but but that was it really. So yeah, Karanka, not 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 covering himself in glory at a time when Birmingham fans are. A sort of um, on his case anyway, so so yeah, sl- slight concern um, there, but but yeah, they've just they've, they've got to find some form from somewhere, and and maybe as, as Flo was just saying there, decide on what they want to be. You know, Barnsley know who they are. Birmingham, it seems, you know, one minute they they want to recruit a manager to play football, you know, great football. The next they want a winning manager that keeps keeps things tight. One game they pick creators, the next. They pick none. It's it's a bit confusing, really. 
Yeah, and I've had the unfortunate pleasure of watching Birmingham far too much this season and they are truly terrible and <laughs> I don't understand why why Karenka has even made it this far into the season with the fact that their position in the table hasn't really moved that much for the last sort of three or four months. They are really bad. They play very negative football and that is Karanka's style and I get that. But at this point, it's not going to keep you up. It's getting you into more trouble. So something's got to give. And what's worse is that things are getting even messier off the pitch with the things that's been going on the last few weeks and financial difficulty there. So it just doesn't look good to to stick with with him and i'm surprised that he's made it this far after some really bad results and performances and he kind of saved himself with a couple of wins and now it looks like he's back onto that bad pattern again yeah you wonder if they're just thinking that they can't really afford to sack him uh sam let's have a line on watford forest as you were there mainly talk about watford please oh mate it's not good it's not good for you i think that's the the fourth Forest game I've done, zero points, zero points. And the next four, I don't need to tell you this, but Reading, Norwich, Brentford, Cardiff. I think it was in the uh, that uh, spate of reverse fixtures when I last saw them. And I think they've improved defensively going forward. There's just zero threat, zero threat. And it's so hard to put your finger on it because you look at the, the calibre of the players and what they've done in the championship. And maybe that's wrong to do that. Uh, previously but you know Lolly miles away from where he was last season Taylor uh, and Glenn Murray looked like me in my final knockings on on Saturday to be honest but not doing themselves any favours because there's no one near him absolutely no one near him a huge gap Kravinovic for me is a brilliant little technician but he's not a number 10 um, so there's your problems Watford what they've done all season really Played probably in third gear, I would say as well. Probably had another couple of gears to go into, but defend leads brilliantly. And I felt it was a day when Watford there, were there to be got at. You know, a midfield three made up of Jao Pedro, Zinka Nagel and Will Hughes, who has turned into Xavi stroke Makaleli in the last few weeks. But if ever you were going to go there and play without the handbrake, that was it. So I thought it was a missed opportunity for your boys. Uh, a word from me on Forest: Impotent. Uh, more words on the Reds on Two Stars. That's the Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. It drops every Thursday. Right, it's time to build our always-on-the-nose midweek hacker with the help of our sponsors, Paddy Power. Flo, your pick comes from the Championship. Yeah, um, not surprisingly, going for QPR to beat Wickham at home. QPR did not play well in the fixture earlier this season at Adams Park, so expecting them to get the win against a Wickham side already kind of down and dead and buried. Always fight, always high-spirited, but QPR have been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks, so I think they will finish the job. Uh, Abby, what, what are the odds on QPR getting the win in the Gareth Ainsworth derby? <laughs> Unsurprisingly, Paddy Power also expecting QPR to win eight to thirteen. They are uh, Wickham are four to one, and I just want to peel back the curtain on something here. Uh, Matt's living in a fantasy world. He's written that Watford and Forest. The score was one nil to Forest. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little little insight into his mind there. <laughs> Oh, optimist, you know, guilty. Fine. Also, also note how they're not the two, two-time two European champions when they lose. It's like Andy Murray. <laughs> <laughs> no, they still are the two-time European champions. They won the European Cup twice. If you need to, a, a way to remember that, Abby, that's twice more than Arsenal have managed. Uh, OK, we'll continue as we roll on through the leagues. Next, Zing. we're going to League One. Take that. 
This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on the Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis Adams. League One headlines: Raise a glass for Brewers revival. Tigers top the table while Lincoln are back to winning ways. Ipswich though are undercooked in Kent, and keep your eyes on Sunderland. Five points off the top, two games in hand. Their latest win coming against Rochdale, who now prop up the rest. Uh, we're going to start, though, with the team second in the form table, but 18th in the actual table. Two goals in four minutes, securing three points for Burton as they saw off promotion chasing Peterborough. Sam, let's have some some love for this Burton revival because it's been absolutely astonishing. We had them, we had them written off before Jimmy came in. Yeah, it's been incredible. This is probably uh, has to go down as the, the best one yet of the... The seven wins in nine or whatever it is. I mean, just incredible defensive solidity, a threat from set pieces. Johnny Smith, I think, is the attacking player who's bringing them a, a constant threat as well when they go forward. And I can't remember who I nicked this off, but I thought these these statistics were pretty impressive. Um, only the fifth time they've won four successive EFL games, so on the cusp of uh, of breaking a record. And Lucas Aikins has played in all sixteen games. Um, of, of that, which I thought was incredible. And Hasselbank's been in charge of 15 of the 16 games. So um, two players that have, have been there and done it, I suppose, in in Burton's Football League journey. Um, and I thought they did a really unbelievably good defensive job against Peterborough's wonderful free-throwing front players who had a, a rare off day. And it, it was actually up to the substitutes to pose a bit more of a threat than the, the, the usual suspect. So um, a brilliant result. and. Um, yeah, no danger of them getting relegated this year. He's been fantastic. Uh, we'll get some thoughts on on Peterborough from Adrian in a second. First, though, Flo, have you got a theory as to why some managers just work at some clubs? You, you had Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank at QPR. It didn't go great. He didn't pull up many trees at Northampton either. But but him and Burton are, are hand-in-glove kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a funny one. I've been thinking about this a lot since he returned to Burton and like following their games and looking at the stats and trying to really work out how he's managed to do this because when he was at QPR what he did do is he made the team very defensively good which has always been a challenge to do with QPR and he's brought some of that to Burton as well and that's obviously helps and his obsession with clean sheets shows that and I think that his obsession with clean sheets has always been part of his mentality but it's really going forward where I think his sides have always lacked but from watching Burton's games recently I think what they've done is worked out what they're good at and really exploited that and made the most of any set piece opportunities crowded the box they're a big physical side and and I think that's what you've got to do when you're fighting for relegation. I would maybe worry about him next season, about, you know, once that fight for survival and that fighting mentality evaporates a little bit, it's like, right, what are we going to do now? And you wouldn't want him to maybe ruin his legacy at all if things go sour next season, because maybe this will get his career, managerial career back up and running and he might get another big job again. But I don't know if he 
if he's got enough beyond just making teams really hard to beat defensively. Uh, Darren Ferguson, you probably say the same about him and, and Peterborough, Adrian. He's not going to be too concerned. Is he level on points with, with leaders? Hull and they've got two games in hand, the, the winning slash undefeated streak coming to an end. But but sometimes you just get beaten by a team who play better on the day. Exactly. Yeah. First, first I've been talking about a lot of the sort of losing teams today and, and, and sort of picking up on, on, on what's gone wrong. But I'm not I'm not going to lay into Peterborough. I think I think it happens. It's they come up against an informed Burton team, superbly organised. You know, Carter and Boswick, brilliant at the back, Manasian in front, doing fantastically. They just negated Peterborough's strengths, and they've got a lot of flair, and, and and they rely on a bit of movement as well in those forward areas and, and and interplay. And sometimes it just doesn't happen for you. And for for Dembele, Smodix, and and Clark Harris, it was just a it was just an off day where where the defenders got got the better of them. And um, one one stat I've sort of picked up though with with Posh is slow starts. That they've been going behind too often. They've led at half time in just one of their last 12. So they keep giving themselves a mountain to climb. So that, that's definitely something to work on. The other thing is that they've moved away from the back three, which I thought was working really well. Gone with a back four which pushes Thompson out to the right, which he can do and ward further forward but has that imbalanced the, the team a bit I don't, I don't know you know posh fans will, will probably know that better than me seeing them 90 minutes every week but but yeah one or two things for them to work on but but they're fine Peter are absolutely fine uh, let's go on to Hull City 2 Bristol Rovers nil. then Gavin W giving Rovers a schooling with his brace <laughs> very good Abby uh, go to the top of the class if you got that one straight away Hull Top of the table. Go on then, Clarky. You can talk about the team who actually won the game this time then. <laughs> it was, well, it's an embarrassment of riches, really, for Hull. I mean, they're not blowing teams away at Hull. I mean, Hull 2-0 is becoming quite a familiar scoreline. I think it's happened a lot a lot during the current campaign. But, but in terms of options up front, that's what stands out for me. Crowley, Lewis Potter and Eves were all on the bench here. For this one, and they had McGuinness up front, White, Honeyman, and Wilkes in behind. So, I mean, that's that's seven players into four that, that that they can just mess around with, Man City style if they want, and and it's going to be fine. So, see, so really, really in a good place, I think Hull City. Obviously, they've Jacob Greaves has is a has been a massive plus for them at the back. Only um, only twenty years old, of course. He was at Cheltenham last year. We were talking about him, and and, he, and he's doing doing great for them. So yeah, I think Hull have stability. You know, they're pretty solid, and then they've got this 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 front front group of players that can can interchange on a match by match basis. Maybe depending on who they're up against in terms of the style that they want to go. So yeah, I, I think Hull are in are in good nick to go up automatically now. Uh, Bristol Rovers, by contrast, not going great for Joey Barton so far. His, his team are in the relegation zone. It's not been an ideal start. Yeah, yeah apologies if I said this before, but um, I just haven't got a clue who's making the decisions there, what they're trying to go for, because you can get a bigger contrast in the in the last three managers. So um, I, I don't think Joey Barton's a bad manager. Um, I think he's done brilliantly at Fleetwood. I think he did brilliantly at Fleetwood. That definitely deserved another chance um, at a good club, which Bristol Rovers is. But I think there's big problems at both ends of the pitch. I think 
Clint Hill, I would presume, will be the man who will be tasked with taking the defenders uh, this week, building up to two enormous home matches against Atkinson uh, and then against AFC Wimbledon. So they need to improve in that regard. And going forward, I don't see a great deal there either. I know Hanlon had a bit of an off day at the weekend and um, Ayunga scored those couple of goals a few weeks ago, was bright from the bench. That's something they could look at. But one goal in the last seven away games, I think, says it all. They're not creating anything away from the Memorial. And that goal was against Atkinson Stanley, who they scored against, but lost 6-1 in the reverse fixture. And that's who they play tomorrow night. So massive week for them. I feel like you've just stolen Clarkie's stats. No, I was going to come come in with exactly the same stat. It's it's the standout, isn't it? It's absolutely standout. No goals in six of seven away games. And then the other one, you got spanked 6-1. It's obvious that they've got to, got to find a formula to to score more goals away from home. Um, they are sleepwalking, aren't they, a little bit, into a, in, into relegation. They've, got, they've got, to, got to buck their ideas up, Bristol. But, but yeah, I'm with Sam. I, I, yeah, think what you like about Joey Barton as a, as a fella, but I think he's a pretty smart coach. And now, you might have thought that Portsmouth to get something at Northampton would be a shoo-in, but it's back-to-back wins that Northampton have cobbled together to stop the crock. I mean, rot. Uh, there were loads more of these puns that, that Abby wrote, but I'm stepping in here and giving them the boot. Uh, incredible result, this 4-1. John Brady confirmed as manager to till the end of the season for the Cobblers. Before this game, they'd scored three goals in 2021, and it was 4 in 45 minutes. They, they got a bit of an assist from the Portsmouth defence and goalkeeper, though, Sam. Yeah, um, I think I spoke a fortnight ago about Northampton playing maybe a little bit more football. Um, I'm not saying this was back to exactly what they were like under Keith Curl. I think they're playing with more attacking intent, more bodies going forward, uh, but 29% of the ball and obviously three goals from set pieces, as you you mentioned. So um, it was like the Northampton of the last few seasons are really difficult to beat, especially at Sixfields and especially when they start fast. Remember this being a reoccurring theme, when they put you under pressure, teams can go under. So tough to pick out individuals. I thought I'd mention Lloyd-Jones, who has had a bit of a nomadic start to his career found himself at Swindon a few years ago I think on loan from Liverpool he's been at Luton he's been outstanding uh, defensively and Edmondson up top I think uh, a player a lone player who definitely wasn't pulling up trees uh, performed really well in this one and, and they've got one of the form players in the division right now in, in Ryan Watson so a job really well done in the first half and as it inevitably happens so often I think a little tweak at half time just to make them more sturdy more solid probably more of a 4-5-1 in the second half just to make sure that Portsmouth couldn't get more than that one goal back a few Pompey fans getting in touch with us on Twitter uh, Jackets Jacket and Andy Andy says stuck record time but how much longer must Pompey fans suffer Jacket Ball there should have been a change 80 months ago and now the failure to do anything sees the fans turning on the ownership poor football and poor results enough is enough we've heard this before Adrian um, he's not universally popular with the supporters no he isn't and, and, and I get it when when results are going bad then then, then the the style of football and the performance levels are questioned Look, Pompey had the best defensive record, didn't they, in the league um, up until quite recently. They, I think there were six clean sheets on the bounce. You know, they were breaking records. Me and Sam were tipping them for for the title. You know, so it's 
it's been quite a dramatic fall from them because it was looking good. It was looking really good. Um, but but 11 points from, from a possible 30 means that, yeah, the title's out of the question. They're now sort of scrambling for playoffs. It's just, is now the right time to make a change? I, I, I don't think so. I think just... You know, see where they go. Kenny Jacket has, has had a very sort of roller coaster ride, hasn't he, uh, with the team, with the supporters, and and look, it wouldn't surprise me, given their talent, that for them to then go on a, another decent run from between now and the end of the season, this might be a sort of you know line in the sand moment where where they suddenly bounce back from. Um, you know, Pompey fans will be hoping it. <laughs> they obviously don't believe in that, um, but. But yeah, Jack, Jacket's done it before. He's come back from the brink to, to to do pretty well. It's a difficult one for him though, Flo, isn't it? If supporters don't take to a manager, it's very, very, very tricky to turn that around. And it doesn't look like he's going to be able to do that with a, at least a large section of the Pompey fan base. Yeah, I mean, like Adrian said, he's been here before and weathered the storm. I just think, and I, I do sympathise with them that it, they're getting impatient because they've been banging on the door for quite a long time now to get out of this division. Every season, they're one of the favourites to get automatic pro- promotion and definitely one of the favourites to be in the playoffs. And it's just not quite worked. Every single season, there is a run that untangles them. So I just think, I don't really know. Like Adrian, I think it's bad timing to want to press reset now. It's better to wait until the summer and then reassess things and look at the recruitment and then think, well, okay, maybe we need to invest a bit more in the team if we're finally going to get out of this division. Because there are, you know, it's very tight this season and it is very difficult. You're going to need consistency and a a very good run to, to get out of it. So I can understand why fans are getting impatient. Yeah, I do feel for them a bit. If you get stuck in League One and you feel like you should be higher than that, it, it can be real purgatory, says the Forest fan who suffered it for, for three seasons. And <laughs> um, Whilst we're talking League One, our own captain charisma, Nick Miller, has done a big piece for The Athletic on James Coppinger's incredible Doncaster Rovers career. So do check that out if you're a subscriber. If you're not, head to theathletic.com slash league show to sign up now for just £3.99 a month for the first six months. Sam, your selection for our ACA comes from League One. Yeah, under two and a half goals, um, AFC Wimbledon at home to Burton, just based on Wimbledon drawing their last two, 1-1, <laughs> not being full of goals, and uh, Burton being the tightest defence in Europe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds exciting. <laughs> I was going to say tighter than the crab's ass, but, but I isn't thought it amazing? <laughs> they they didn't keep a clean sheet, did they? They didn't keep a clean sheet for months. It's just it is madness. Yeah, I mean, we could pick anything, couldn't we? It never wins. Abby, what are the um, what are the odds on this particular? Don't make this whole feature seem completely <laughs> useless and futile. <laughs> Um, for that, it is un- uh, for under 2.5 goals, you will get four to five. If you fancy backing a winner in this game, uh, AFC Wimbledon are 13 to eight and Burton are six to four. All right. My pick comes from League One to uh, I'm putting my neck on the line here. I'm going to say both teams to score between Peterborough and Hull. What are the odds on that? I bet they're not very generous. <laughs> uh, the odds on that are four to five for both teams to score. Interestingly, uh, Paddy Power can't actually separate uh, either side, they are both 13 to 8 to win this game with the draw 9 to 4. Lovely. League 2 next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. League 2 headlines, Cheltenham, Cambridge and Forest Green remain in the automatic promotion places. Matt and Adams on the score sheet for FGR, you just love to see it. One point separates 6th to ninth in the table. Oldham have sacked Harry Kuehl, he was their 7th different boss since 2018. At the bottom, Barrow have climbed out of the relegation zone and Newport have been given permission to play their next two home games away from Rodney Parade. They'll take place at the Cardiff City Stadium. We told you last week that Mike Flynn was not happy with the state of the pitch at Rodney Parade. Before we reflect on some of the weekend's games, let's talk about Oldham's latest managerial mayhem then. I feel like it's not that long ago that I was selling tickets for the Harry Kuehl hype train and now the service has been cancelled. This feels harsh to me, Adrian. Do you agree? I do, yeah. I mean, they're not going to go down, Oldham, this season. Um, They're kind of mid-table. They win some, they lose some. One thing I will say, and surely Oldham fans are on board with this, is that they were pretty fun to watch. You know, they had, they, had, they had real character. There's lots of stirring comebacks. They scored goals. I thought that the players he brought in last summer, a lot of them have, have been star turns this season in terms of, of scoring goals. And I think it was just last week I gave them performance of the week um, against Carlisle. They won 3-1 at Carlisle. Scored some great goals. Yeah, their home form's been disappointing, but... You know, it's not just about home form. So, yeah, I, I think it's really harsh. And you you just wonder, what, what do they expect at Oldham? And how do they expect to sort of build anything in terms of, of a style and, and and getting the players used to one another when, when there's such a revolving door with the gaffers? Because you know what will happen. A new manager will come in and they'll just bring in a whole new team of their signings. And, and, and they're sort of back to... Back to square one a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think not not a very well-run club, in my opinion, Oldham. Not that much damage to, to Harry Kuehl's reputation, though, Flo. That that will be the positive for him, I think. He, he can he can just point to the fact that, hey, this, this club is running quite a daft way. They always sack their managers and, and he might be back in work before too long. Yeah, I think so. I think he's had a funny managerial career so far and I think it is a real shame and I agree, I think it was a bad decision and he'd done quite well there. It was entertaining and the fans really liked him and the reaction from the fans following his sacking, they're very angry with it and it just continues a bit of a confusing and chaotic line of operations there and I guess the reality is that it was always going to end in tears because of how the club are being run and the situation with Oldham over the last couple of years. And it's a shame that it's had to end like this because you like, you look at the results and you look at the performances and you think, actually, he was doing a really good job. So I don't really know what they want, to be honest. A good example of what you just said, Matt, is Richie Wellens, of course, who lasted, I think, a matter of months there. He's since won a League Two title and is obviously in a really good job in League Two now at Salford, Dino Marmaria as well, assisting um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank at, at Burton and getting loads of, of plaudits. So 
I don't think it damages Harry Kuehl whatsoever. If he wants to be a manager again, that club, I mean, it's just laughable, isn't it? I just, I didn't even, it doesn't even affect me now. You just look at it and you just feel sorry for the supporters because uh, while the, the current owners are at that club, this is just going to continue to happen. Like we're not, we're not there. We don't know what goes on day to day, but you can't keep changing the managers despite, as Adrian rightly says, the home form has been woeful and not... You know, beating Southend and Barrow in the last few weeks is probably the final straw for uh, an owner who's got a little bit of a short fuse when it comes to getting rid of managers. He sure has. Um, in terms of Saturday's action, we'll start with the leaders. They being Cheltenham, who've now won four on the bounce, though Port Vale gave them a scare on Saturday. Uh, Clark, it's taken Cheltenham a, a while to get going. Anything tactically that, that Duffman has changed to kickstart this revival? Uh, not really. I mean, they've still got the three-five-two. Is is the way that they go pretty much most most weeks. It was a three-two battering. Let, let's not give Port, Port Vale too much too much credit here. It was three-nil. Could have been worse. It was just a case of sort of switching off at the end. Um, yeah, I really like Cheltenham. Really, we we saw how they can defend. As a team against City, didn't we, with the back three sort of, um, you know, pretty heroic. But then they've got, you know, Alfie May up top, Sam Smith um, on loan. He, they're looking pretty sharp. Two of the best wing backs, I think, in the league in in Blair and Hussey. And um, and Liam Serkham came back into the team at the weekend um, from the bench. So, I mean, Cheltenham, I think 22 points from possible 27 that, that, yeah, that they're a very rounded team, and and I think that they're going to be hard to stop this season. They they blew it last year. Let, let's get it right. They they should have gone up by the playoffs. Had a stinker in the most important matches. I think there's a steely determination to to take the playoffs out of the equation this time. Barrow two Mansfield nil. Barrow Wheelie might stay up after this victory. It moves them out of the relegation zone. Sam Rob Kelly there in place of Michael Jolly. Has he got the tools at his disposal to to keep Barrow up? Um, I think he's got the tools individually. I think he's a real safe pair of hands. Had a really long, varied, um, successful career in all manner of roles and winning games and I know they had two narrow defeats recently and this could have gone the other way quite easily in the first half I thought they had good chances Mansfield to probably put the game to bed and out out of reach but stayed in there and um, you know got good impact from his substitutes after making quite questionable team selection for this Erdley and and James for two left out of the side but found the way to win and that was despite you know Mansfield having long spells of possession but yeah I would I'd be very confident with him at the helm um, given his track record especially when you think back to him having um, great success initially when he went in uh, at Leicester in the same capacity yeah they've they've got a hell of an opportunity but it is tight down there and there's, there's a number of clubs still that would be concerned about um, falling uh, down that trapdoor. Mansfield flow probably probably not one of those. They've got a, a decent number of points on the board, but their form has completely collapsed. This their latest defeat it is what five out of their last six games that they've lost. They're kind of sleepwalking their way through the end of the season, and, and that's not that's not a great look for Nigel Clough because this is a club who likes to change managers fairly regularly too. So so they need to have some sort of positive end to the campaign. 
Yeah, and it's not looking good either because they're playing Cheltenham tomorrow. So it, it look, it's hard to see a way out of this run anytime soon. But yeah, they have to because they are they do have a reputation for um, being fairly quick on uh, quick on on the manager or changes. So it you don't want it to get to the point where other people around you like Barrow are picking up and starting good runs, and you're the ones who are slowly getting closer and closer and closer. And then at that point they pull the trigger, have an interim manager, and then it's just a complete scrap and, and fight for survival. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Adrian, your pick for our ACA comes from League Two. Yes, um, I'm going for Harrogate to beat Colchester United, Beliga Colchester, who are definitely not out of danger um, at the bottom of League Two. Harrogate, four wins in their last six games. Colchester, Four wins in their last 22 games. So the, the form line says that the Harrogate should be strong favourites. Are they, Abby? Indeed, they are 17 to 20 to win this one. In fact, a, a draw is more likely than a Colchester win. Draw 12 to 5. Cole, you to win 16 to 5. Put that all into our ACA cracker calculator and it comes out at a nice little 9 to 1. Odds are accurate at the time of recording. You can find it all out at the Paddy Power website or app. It's over ratings only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, it's time for a game of Warnock or McCarthy. Double M joined the 1000 Club this week, you see. Neil Warnock's already a member and he's been in the news, so that's why we're doing this. couple of questions each, a couple of quotes each, I should say. You have to tell me, is it McCarthy or is it Warnock? Adrian, you're up first. This is the quote. It bugs me when I see other managers getting top jobs and I know they're not as good as me. Was it Warnock or McCarthy? <laughs> McCarthy. It was Warnock. Incorrect. Oh, that was one of the easy I, ones. I, I thought it sounded like McCarthy during his commentary and pundit days in that sort of period <laughs> yeah, where he left where and didn't have a job. I thought he would. He thought it would have come from that, but, you know. Uh, Flo, you're up next. Let's see if you get this one right. Opinions are like backsides. We've all got them, but it's not wise to air them in public. That's got to be Warnock, surely. Oh, this is a dreadful start. It was Mick McCarthy. Oh... Um, Something I should have gone for the law of, like, you know, just multiple choice that Abby was going to do a, a Warnock after, uh, sorry, McCarthy after a Warnock. So I fell into that <laughs> trap. Sam, you got to add some respectability back to this contest. Uh, here's yours. That's a bollocks booking. We might as well pack in and stop doing it. It was a fabulous tackle. Does he say me in at any stage of this sentence? <laughs> no, no clues. No me. I, I think... Bollocks is probably more Mick McCarthy. Yeah, that's fair. I think that was what gave it away, actually. Um, the bollocks <laughs> gave it away. Uh, you've got easy. one more each. <laughs> Adrian, let's see if this one's easy. And actually, this is the easiest of the bunch. If you don't get this, then then we should cancel the game. The two managers I really dislike are Stan Turnan and Gary Megson. The old saying that I wouldn't piss on them if they were on fire applies. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, come on, I, mate. It has Most to be Warnock. It has to be he, McCarthy. Doesn't doesn't berate people like that, does he? Doesn't berate other managers. No, it's definitely Warnock. Uh, he's got a whole section on his Wikipedia pages. I remember about how much he dislikes Stan Turn and, and the Megson thing comes from the um, the Battle of Bramall Lane. Uh, Flo, this is your last one. I'll probably have had enough of him by Christmas, so hopefully he'll score ten or fifteen goals by then and get himself a move. Abby says you should definitely get this one, given who he is talking about. Warnock then that yeah. was a bit of a clue but yeah it was do you know who he was talking about 
A delta rat. It was a delta rat. You're right, Sam. Sorry, um, bro. Sam. That's you, all right. This is it, Sam. Last one. Pressure's on, Sam. Um, to win, and, is it? Uh, yeah, to win. Yeah, yeah. There's no prize, but but, but you win. My respect. <laughs> this is this is the best quote of the bunch for me. It wasn't a monkey on my back. It was Planet of the Apes. Was it Warnock or was it McCarthy? Mick. It was Mick, yeah. Beautiful way with words, doesn't it? Don't just need to toss out casual swears all the time. Uh, good. That was good fun. Sheer uh, a celebration at the end from Sam there to you. Love to see it. Uh, right, that'll do it for this week. Many thanks to Sam, Adrian, Flo, and producer Abby. The latter will be with George and Ali for extra time on Thursday. Uh, we'll catch up with you again same time next week. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics Football Podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Finding it difficult to get off to sleep? Well, you are not alone. After a long day of Zoom, Doom and Gloom, it's hard to relax and just drop off. Maybe you need a bedtime story. I know, there's a lot of them out there. They ask you to imagine that you're laying on a lily of contentedness, drifting upon a lake of calm, holding hands with the otter of placidity. Our one isn't like that. It's a football bedtime story, and it sounds like this. When Brian Clough arrived at Nottingham Forest in January 1975, they were a mediocre provincial club whose most recent success was winning the FA Cup in 1959. But they were 13th in the old second division now. Clough, too, was damaged goods. So give it a go tonight. Subscribe to Football Bedtime Stories on your favourite podcast provider now. The Athletic.